This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. I want to start with a question, kind of a a bold, perhaps provocative question today. Are you guys okay with that? What do you think gets in the way? You know where I'm going with this, don't you, Kay? What do you think gets in the way of you experiencing more of God's power in your life? I heard a lot of different answers. I appreciate the feedback. Come on, shout them out at me. Fear? Self? Someone said you, Pastor Jason? Yes. Sometimes. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate that. Absolutely, we do. Oftentimes, it's us. But I think the, the real answer, perhaps the more careful answer, may surprise you. It's not your lack of good ideas. Come on. It's not your lack of intelligence. It's not your lack of strength. It's not even your lack of resources. Oftentimes, it's your surplus of these things. Hold the phone, Pastor Jay. What are you saying to me? Are you suggesting that having too much of these things in my life may actually be hindering the work of power in my life? How many of you have been to a a ministry conference before or a trade show, an expo? And typically at a trade show or a conference, you have what's called a keynote speaker who will come out on the stage and dazzle you and, and get you inspired and hyped up to do something, right? To step into a new action or a habit or, or, or to step out in faith in some way. And sometimes they'll even give a talk or a speech that goes like this, 10 more powerful ways to a better you. How many have heard that one before? Or, or how about this, 10 steps to a, a greater year. Well, what's typically the focus? You are. You're right, Tyler. (laughs) Me. We are. Because it's all about improving us or adding skills or trying to strengthen your abilities. And there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things, but here's the problem. Eventually, you're going to come up against an obstacle in life that you're not going to be able to outsmart, that you're not going to be able to outwork that you're not gonna be able to outwit. And you're gonna be blindsided by something that you weren't prepared for, that you didn't see coming. And you're gonna need more than human strength and resources and intelligence and good ideas. You're gonna need godly power and divine strength to deal with what you're facing. How many have been there before? How many would say, Pastor Jason, that's where I am today? Quite a few hands this morning. And all throughout the scriptures, and especially here in Ephesians chapter 3, we see this word that, that the Bible writers like to use for power. In the Greek, it's the word dunamis. Say it with me. Dunamis. Let's define terms today. Power in the Greek is the word dunamis. It's God's wonder-working divine ability and strength. I'll say it again. Power in the Bible is God's wonder-working divine ability and strength. But did you notice something? It's God's wonder-working ability and strength. By the dunamis or dynamic power of God, we know that Moses parted the Red Sea. By the dunamis or dynamic wonder-working power of God, we know that Samson slew all the Philistines. You guys remember that story? 
by the dunamis and wonder-working power of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. And by the dunamis and wonder-working power of God, the apostles healed the sick and performed many mighty works. And the list goes on and on. So when we talk about God's power, this is actually what we mean. And this is what Paul was saying about how God, in Ephesians chapter 3 here, wants to work within our lives. He wants to work immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his dunamis at work within us. Now I want you to hear what Paul would go on to say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Last week we talked about the God being, about our God being the God of abundant grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power or dunamis is made perfect in weakness. Time out, Paul. What do you mean, God, that your power is somehow made perfect in our weakness is? Paul, that's not very, uh, it's not very sexy of you. That's not very smart. You're not going to fill up a lot of conferences talking this way. How many of you ever been to a weakness conference? How many have been to a weakness convention? You don't see those advertised too often, right? We don't like to put our weaknesses on display, do we? We try to hide them and conceal them. But what if God is inviting us, hear me on this today, what if God is inviting us to reconsider our weakness? He says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. The word perfect here is the word telos, which means not lacking anything. It's complete. My power is complete in weakness. The hard part about weakness is that it's not an American virtue, is it? In our context today, it's not. But when you look at the larger context of what Paul was addressing here, he's actually dealing with a really big problem in his life. He's dealing with some struggles. And he's asking the Lord to come and to help him with his struggles. How many of you have ever prayed for God to help you in your struggles? Some of you are like, that's where I am today, Pastor Jay. By the grace of God, I crawled to Courageous Church and I'm asking the Lord to help me with my struggles. Some of you might look at your life or you look at your bank account or look at where you thought you might be by this time in your age and be discouraged. But I wanna show you a little bit of a bigger picture of what Paul is saying here. If you go back a couple verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven through eight says this. So to keep me from becoming conceited, I want you to underline that, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations Paul has received, he says this, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited or becoming conceited. He says it a second time. In verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times Paul pleaded for God to help him with his Problem, what he calls here a thorn in his flesh. Now, story time for a moment. Anybody have a, a ring doorbell or a Google doorbell where it'll alert you if a, if a package shows up at your front door? I, I used to have a ring doorbell. I changed it out for a Google one because the other one never worked. But with my new Google doorbell, it will actually alert me when UPS or FedEx comes. It'll say a package has arrived, which is kind of creepy. 
Kind of, kind of freaky. It knows how to identify the man in the brown suit when he drops packages at my front door. And when I open up my phone and I see the package, I get excited. Anybody else just like, woo, Amazon delivery day. Anybody else just me? I get so excited. And Pastor Jason, in his foolishness, decided that he was going to pull a Tom Cruise from Risky Business and slide across the wooden floor. You guys know what I'm talking about. I just dated myself. In his socks. Because I was so excited for Amazon Package Day. But much to my own chagrin and to my own pain, a splinter from one of these wood planks in my entryway went right into my foot. (laughs) And I screamed out in agonizing pain. Because how many of you know, you got a lot of nerve endings in those feet. Well, suffice to say, I had a thorn in my foot. And I tried to get it out, and I thought I did. A couple days later, I noticed that my foot was still hurting. It was still in pain. About a month after that, I noticed that it started to swell up and get kind of nasty. You know what I'm talking about? Now I'm going to spare you the, the gross details. But what I eventually came to discover was that I didn't get out all of the splinter. And I proceeded to pull out another inch of it a month later. I had been living with this thorn in my flesh, literally, for over a month. And it was causing me great distress and great pain. Well, we know here that Paul is being metaphorical. We don't know what the thorn in his flesh was. He refers to it as a messenger of Satan that was sent to harass him. But he pleaded for the Lord. God, take this thing from me. Have any of you ever pleaded from God? Ladies, when you're given birth, oh, Lord, make the pain stop. Bring the epidural now, Lord. And you plead for it. Well, some of you. Or men, you're, just, you're in that place of just going like, Lord, what's next? And you're just struggling and you've, you're facing difficulty and pain and hardship. And you're like, God, get me through this or deliver me from this. I think all of us have been there before. But with Paul here, we see something rather interesting. We see God do something different than what we anticipated or expected him to do. He says this, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My charis is the word that we see there in the Greek. It's sufficient for you. It's enough for you. For my power, my dunamis, my wonder-working divine ability and strength is made perfect in your weakness. Full stop. What do you mean, God, that you want your power to be made perfect or complete in our weakness? Number one today, oftentimes it means we need to learn how to embrace our weaknesses. Following Jesus courageously means that you and I need to be comfortable with our weakness, that we need to embrace our weakness. And for many of us, this is hard because what we don't want is for people to know about our weaknesses. And we do all that we can to highlight our strengths, right? But could it be that what the Lord is suggesting to you and to me today is that he doesn't want you to hide your weakness. He wants to showcase power in your weakness. I believe that's what he's saying here. And we see it in the life of Paul. We see it in the life of Jesus' own disciples. Many of them faced extreme situations. And I'm sure their prayer was, God, deliver me from this agony. And we saw them go through things. And they didn't come out always unscathed. They had a lot of scars. Anybody have a few scars from following Jesus through pain? How many right now would say that you've been following Jesus for a while and you can attest to the fact that sometimes you're going to have to go through some pain. You're going to have to walk through some difficulty. Most of us would say yes to that. And why does God do this? Because I believe it's when we are at our weakest 
that his strength and power is truly magnified and put on display. This is why Paul would go on to say things like this in the rest of the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, not bitterly, but for some of us, when we go through pain, we're bitter and we're angry and we're upset and we're mad and we're grumpy. But no, not Paul. Paul says, despite this splinter in my foot, I am going to boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ, and here's what I want you to hear this morning, that the power of Christ may rest upon you and rest upon me today. For too long, we've been taught that to become strong and powerful, we have to become strong and powerful, but it's actually in our weakness that his power is put on display. Many of you are at a place today where you've been trying to address things in yourself that you do not like or remedy situations around you. And these are actually the catalysts that God wants to use to demonstrate immeasurable power in your life. How do I know this? Because I, my friends, am a trophy of God's grace. And I know that for all of my strengths, where I've seen God work the most in my life is actually in my weakness, is actually when I didn't deserve a miracle, is actually when I didn't deserve a breakthrough, is actually when I was going through something that I never thought I would heal from. How about you today? He continues in verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, I am content. I want you to underline that word. It's a strong word that Paul uses oftentimes when referring to his own self. He says, I am content with these weaknesses, with insults. We don't like those. With hardships, with persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Some of you need to hear this today so that you can have some real peace and contentment in your life. Paul says, I am content. In other places like Philippians, he says, whether I have a lot or a little, I know that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He was content in his weakness. He was content when he had a lot. He was content when he had a little. He was content when he thought he had it all figured out. And he was content when he was shipwrecked and surprised by the storms of life that came his way. Not only do we need to learn how to embrace our weaknesses, I believe, but we also need to learn how to, number two today, embrace what appears to be foolish. To embrace the foolish. Because following Jesus oftentimes means learning how to embrace what, appeals fool, what appears to be foolish to the world. I want you to hear this earlier in his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul would have this to say about God's power. First Corinthians one, verse 18. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing or passing away. But to us who are being saved, how many would say, this is me today? It is the power of God. It's the dunamis of God. What do you mean the cross has power to save, Pastor Jay? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense that God would use a Roman execution device to accomplish his greatest victory. But that's exactly what he does. Because God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And he uses what appears to be the powerless to demonstrate great power. And he does so in ways that often surprise us and subvert our own expectations. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 boldly declares, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the dunamis of God for salvation to everyone who believes 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God for salvation, but it came to us in a way that many people did not expect. How many of you know that the disciples of Jesus did not expect Jesus to come and die? Because that's not what triumphant Messiah kings do. They conquer, they reign. But Jesus came and subverted their own expectation. He chose the weak things to confound the wise. He chose the weakness of the world to demonstrate his great power over sin, death, and the devil. Praise be to our Lord today. Friends, this is the invitation to know this power, the power of God that saves us, that transforms us, that changes us. And this was Paul's prayer and his desire for his church. We see it in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. He says that I may know him, meaning Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, that I might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You guys, this is the invitation. It's to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection. It's to share in his sufferings and hardships, calamities and persecutions, becoming like him in death. Why? Because it's fun? Because it's popular? Because it's trending on Twitter this week? No, because you cannot truly live until you die. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that unless you lose your life, you cannot find it. Unless you lay down the rights to what you think you deserve or what you think you're entitled to or want and embrace what God wants to give you in the way that he wants to give it to you, you'll never experience the power of his resurrection life that he wants to give you. And as a result, you'll go on living your best life in your own power and strength. Can I tell you, friends, that that is not the Christ life. It's not the spirit life for you to try to muster up enough strength to face the day. No, that's the way of the world. If I can just get ahead and climb the ladder and accumulate wealth and success and surround myself with more friends and parties and things, then I'll be powerful, then I'll be strong, then people will take me seriously. But how many know that's not the way of the cross? The way of the cross is to come and die, to pick up your Roman execution device, whatever that is in your life, to embrace your weakness, to embrace your powerlessness and see God pour out immeasurable, more than you can ask or think power in it. That's the invitation for us today. And for many people today, I think even Christians today who are hopelessly disillusioned in their faith, who are deconstructing is because they've put their faith in things that they thought had power that didn't. They put their faith in religion. They put their faith in systems. They put their faith in programs. They even put their faith in good meaning people like preachers and pastors. And then when those good meaning people and pastors fall, their faith falls apart. Well, I just can't believe that that guy didn't do what he said he was gonna do. I just can't believe that he had weakness in his life. I thought he was Superman. Can I spare all of you the juicy details? I am not Superman. She is not Superwoman, and neither are you. But we serve a God who is. A God who has strength and power and is pinky enough to help you endure and to walk through whatever it is you're facing today. And the good news is as you do that, you develop character. You develop the ability to endure. You develop muscle. How many of you know going to the gym's not fun? <laughs> Some of you who started your New Year's resolutions and you're like, yeah, I'm going to lose 
That 15 pounds that I put on over Christmas break from all the cookies I ate, speaking about myself, just inviting you guys to watch the living laboratory take place on stage today. But I'm talking about myself. It's like, oh, I'm gonna get back at the gym. It's been three weeks. I haven't even stepped foot in the gym yet. Come on, Pastor Jay, get with the program. But for some of us, that's where we get stuck. And we're like, we mean well, but what we need is we need power. And I believe that part of the invitation to embrace the foolish things of, of God that he uses to confound the wisdom of the world is to experience this power and to do what Paul actually says he did, which is to boast in it. This is what Paul discovered in boasting in his weakness. He was, he was putting his weakness on display for others to see. He was being honest and real about it. He wasn't trying to hide it or pretend. And I think that's what the Lord invites us to do. Not to bleed all over the internet, but to be real about the fact that you've got some weaknesses. And so do I. And if we could boast in them, i.e. be honest and vulnerable about them, maybe we might see the power of Christ rest upon our lives this year like never before. I don't know, just a thought. Here at Courageous Church, we want this place and this family to be the kinds of people that welcome the hurting so that they can heal. We want this to be a place of healing, not just a place where you come and lay down on the hospital bed and remain with an IV drip in your arm the rest of your Christian life. Come on, somebody but to be a place where you can experience real healing so that you can get back up and thrive and flourish the way God has created and called you to. And that's the invitation for us this year, I believe, as we embrace the more of God, as we step into grace and power that he has for our lives. So we embrace our weakness, we embrace what appears to be foolish, and then we embrace being filled with the Spirit. This was Paul's prayer for his church in Ephesus. And it's actually my prayer for us as a church as we step into 2024. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Can I say it again? That you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in your innermost being. Ultimately, God wants to fill us with more of himself because the way to power is through his spirit. That's what Paul's saying here in Ephesians chapter three. So if you want more power, you need more of him. If you want more power, you need more of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. And why? So you can feel good about yourself, give yourself another patch on your vest, earn more brownie points with God and your Christian friends? No, so that you can actually abound in hope. Listen to what Romans 15, 13 says. And I like this, he says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How many would like a little more joy and peace this year? In believing, so that by the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God wants your life to abound by being filled with the power of his spirit. We spoke about this word abounding last week. It's the word perisuo in the Greek. And here's what it means. It means to exceed beyond measure, to increase in abundance, to overflow. To abound is to overflow, which means God wants your life to overflow with power that leads to hope. With power that leads to hope. Did you catch that? Because the purpose of more power is actually more hope. 
How many could use more hope this year? Not just another New Year's resolution or new fitness routine, but how about a new hope? How about more power to place your hope in God and see those things come alive? In just a moment, we're gonna pray for each other that the God of so much more would fill us with more power to abound, to overflow in hope. In closing today, maybe you're in a place right now and you're listening to this message online or watching this or, or here today and you're facing a very difficult situation. Maybe you got a very difficult prognosis from the doctor or you're feeling completely weak or even powerless to change your own circumstances or perhaps it's the beginning of January and you already feel worn out. <laughs> I wanna encourage you with a prophetic word from the Lord today. Are you ready for it? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 assures us he gives power to the faint. And to him or her who has no might, he increases their strength. Can I say it again for my friends in the back? He gives power to the faint. Are you feeling faint today? Are you feeling weary today? Are you feeling like you've done all you can? He's got power for you, friend. He's got power for your life, power for your finances, power for your marriage, power for your family. And to those of you who feel like you have no might or no strength left. He is the God who increases strength. And I prophesy that over your life today, and I agree with what Isaiah says here. Today, as we prepare to close, I want to do something a little different this morning than we typically do here at Courageous Church. Rather than me pray for you, I'm going to have you pray for each other. How about that? And we're going to practice this together. And for those of you that just got super terrified and freaked out, Here's your script, Isaiah 40, verse 29. All we're asking you to do is that you would pray for the person next to you, that God would give them great power in their weakness, and that he would increase their strength this year. Now, if you're a guest today, don't feel any pressure to do this. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna be your prayer partner. But can we do this? Can we stand to our feet? And I want us just to, maybe in groups of two or three, or perhaps even four, some of you have a few people sitting in your, your aisles. Today, we're gonna exercise our faith together because this isn't just about Pastor Jason speaking and you hearing. This is about us as the family of God putting into practice this prophetic word right now for this moment. For those of you that are seasoned team members, I want you to find those in the house today that are new or that probably look terrified right now because they're not sure what it is that we're gonna do together and I want you to go pray with them, okay? So don't do the easy thing. Don't find the person that you know. Go find someone that you don't know and pray with them. And for the rest of you, let's huddle up and let's make Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 our prayer. Can we do that today, church? And as we do that, Chris, I'm gonna ask you to just put a little worship music on real quietly in the background. And then we're gonna end with a final word of prayer for God to do this in our lives today. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you wanna be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.